Um, it's joyful here tonight. It's joy, joy, and love, and faith, and peace, and we're going to heaven. Yeah, we're going to heaven. Yes. That's what we're going to speak about tonight in a certain way, uh, going to heaven. And uh, I want to, I want to have you turn to, we're going to look at Hebrews 1, but I want you to turn to Psalm 8. So we have our teaching in the beginning of our service, and Pastor Matt Garrett's going to pray for the offering, and then we'll have a song, and then he has uh, something to share with the Bible College and the teachers tonight for a few minutes, and that'll be our service. I'm so blessed being here and to open this amazing uh, revelation of God to the human heart. You know, the pagan world struggled. The pagan world didn't really have a message about where are we going, where paganism is groped and staggered with the whole idea of getting hold of a continuum, a sensible direction. They didn't have it, but the Jews have it. So if we were to say, and I want to zoom out for a minute and think of the world was made, and then, of course, people wonder, where is it going? When we look at our Bible, now, you can have your own ideas on it, but your ideas are just your ideas. But I would like to know what God says about the universe and this particular planet which is called the privileged planet by scientists who have, there's a video, you can see the long one or a four minute trailer, uh, Google it at your pleasure, the privileged planet, 20 factors that were necessary for life to be on this planet. The weight of the planet, the spin, the location, the atmosphere, magnetic fields, and so on. Life is here. Is it in other places? I don't know. Nobody, nobody has found. We have radio. We're trying to hear in the universe, but we hear nothing. We don't know anything about that. And that's that. But this is this. Who are we? made in the image of God. Look at Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of your enemies, that you might still the enemy and the avenger. So we have babes with God. We have babes, children, and we have enemies. When I consider your heavens, verse 3, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man? We could, we could stop there with man and just talk about his three parts, his physical life, what is man? I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. 
Just think something as wonderful as sex in marriage, and out of that pleasure comes a human being. That is crazy. That is crazy, but it's undeniable. It happens. What? Yes, a human being. What is man that you are mindful of him? Well, here, number two, he has a soul. This is very short comments about this. I was in the line at the bank. Somebody cut in front of me. Hey, hey, I was here first. <laughs> or I say nothing. I gave you a piece of my banana. Could, you have, could I have a piece of your orange? Hey, I borrowed from you. Can't you loan to me? What's that? That's morality. Every human being on the earth has it. Everyone. Everybody knows right and wrong. It bothers them. It, it appeases them. It satisfies them. What is man? that you would make us like this. We have a soul. We're not like the animals. We're different in so many ways. We're made with a divine purpose, and we want to know, are we going somewhere? Where are we going? What is it? What's your plan? Who is speaking? Is God speaking? What is he saying? Okay, number three. What is man? He is spirit. What is spirit? Two things about spirit. Beauty. This is Psalm 27, 4. Beauty. Do you know when you see something beautiful? Do you know it? When you see it, it's beautiful. Have you seen anything beautiful? Do you know it? It is beautiful. Do you stop and look at it and enjoy it? Yes. There's something about us that we are able to recognize something tender, beautiful, something lovely, a child, a painting, uh, a landscape, the ocean, the stars, and number two, questions in our spirit. We have questions. We ask the big questions like, who am I? Who am I? What am I here for? What's going on? What's, what is this? What is this? This is, and then you see something beautiful, you worship you appreciate, okay? What is man? He is so amazing. Man made in God's image. Okay, so look at chapter 8, verse 4. What is the man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? And isn't it incredible that the son of God became a man? Isn't it amazing that God came incarnated. It's incredible. It's the key to our future. If God loved us and came, 
and became one of us to save us. And this is the, the, the load spring or the, the platform for believing what we're going to say tonight about heaven. So we have our capacity to hear what we are saying. Now, he's made a little lower than the angels. Let's see, verse um, 5. For you have made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Well, that, that's a very important part of our, of our story here. Angels. What are angels? Where are the angels? Are angels intelligent? Yes, the Philistines said, I believe it was, Philistines said, David, you are as wise as an angel of heaven. Um, angels moving the stone at the tomb. Angels visiting Mary, Gabriel. Angels that, that set Peter free out of prison. Angels that speak to the men and women of God in our Bible that have been messengers to us, coming and going upon Christ in John chapter 1. Angels. But the angels are in the rest of the universe. But on this planet, he gave, us, he gave the planet to us. This planet is ours. This is God, God's planet, and he made man a little lower than the angels. What does it mean, a little lower? Angels don't have mortal bodies. Angels don't bleed, fall down, skin their knee. Angels don't have a toothache or a headache or high blood pressure or panicking or emotional. They don't sleep or need to eat like we do to nourish our body. We are a little lower. We are made from the dust, and we are flesh. Angels are spirit. He maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. We are something like angels, but we are mortal. We are a flame of fire, ministers, flame of fire, the believer. He is a flame of fire, minister, angel, spirit. So this is, the, this is a reference for Hebrews 1. So we'll turn there and make a few comments on Hebrews 1. So are you, are you good? Are you, can you, you're following it, right? You're, you're concentrated? You're... You're listening in the anointing of God. Amen. We are we have gathered in Jesus' name to hear from Hebrews one. Now I don't want to lose you in the text, so I'm abbreviating things to provoke you in thinking in large terms, like the universe we live in. Yes, I believe angels are singing with the stars. There are angels that, that are out in the universe, and there is a place called heaven. It's the third heaven, and we'll read about that tonight. And I, I hope I can do this in a timely way. Look at Hebrews 1 and verse 1. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets.
That means he spoke through Moses at the Red Sea. He spoke through Elijah at Mount Carmel. He spoke through Paul in the prison. He spoke through David in the cave of Adullam. In various ways, he spoke through miracles. He spoke through kings. And he spoke through their sin, the sins of people. He spoke through, he's shown us the devil in the book of Job. God, in many ways, has spoken to his people in the Bible. But now, look at verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Let's look at, draw this picture. Here's the whole universe. What does it say? He is an heir of all things. He is the heir of the universe. He is it. He gets it all. He gets it all. Jesus gets it all. He is the heir of the whole universe. He is on a throne, the king of kings, on the throne with his father forever and ever, and he has inherited, inherited everything. Verse 2. And then it says, he made it, the universe. In verse 2, he made it and he inherited it. He made it and he inherited it. That gives us joy. Yes, Jesus, you made the universe, and then, Jesus, you inherit the universe. But notice something about the universe. It is moral. When I say, I loaned you some money, you should loan me some money, that means there's a moral law in our heart. You can make this story many ways. You know, I put my clothes away. You didn't. It caused this problem. Or why didn't you clean the room, the bedroom, and, and all of these things that we say every day because the world, universe, is moral. But, okay, so Jesus made it like that. He made it like that. And then, then, of course, we lose everything. We lose. We sin. We lose our place. We lose our, our privilege. We lose God. We lose everything. We fall. We're lost. We make up ideas about the world and about God. We make up religions and out of our own hearts and, and superstitions, they're called, and, and philosophies. And we try to figure everything out without God because we don't want God. But God was faithful to give us in history. This is so convincing. There's nobody like the Jews in regards to what they gave the world. They gave us the scripture. There's no scriptures in the world like these scriptures. You should learn that. You should get that in your mind. What I'm speaking to you tonight is just from my heart, from 50 years of thinking about these things, knowing the scripture in a measure, and I'm just talking to you like just as a family. 
But you test, check it out with, with the scripture, what it is that I'm saying and where, where this is going. I want, I want it to be a blessing to you. So look at verse uh, 3. This is an incredible verse. Who being the brightness of his glory, this is Jesus, the brightness of his glory, he's the Son of God, he came the brightness of his glory. But we see Jesus as a mortal man that you couldn't even identify in the crowd. Therefore, Judas had to go and kiss him to identify him in the dark garden. Who is he? But he is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. That's the stamp the image on a coin in the Roman times, the stamp of Caesar. It was the image of Caesar on the coin. Jesus is the exact image of God. God was stamped on him more. God was, was in him. If you saw Christ, you saw God in humble form, in obedience and humility, but he was a man, not an angel. This text in chapter 1 is to make a point that Jesus was not an angel. So let's re re read verse 3. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Could you count those things with me? Brightness of his glory, number one. Express the image of his person, number two. Upholding all things by the word of his power. That means he's holding the universe together. That it makes sense. That we make sense. That our brain is held together. Here's a good point. When an atheist argues that there is no God, who is holding his brain together? God. And where did the argument come from when he said there is no God? His reasoning faculties are a gift from God, and they can be used against God. And when a man runs around with the women, and who gives him the strength to run around and, be, and live in sin and destroy his life? The God that is holding the universe together. And evil is in the universe, and this planet, as far as we know, it is only here on this planet, and it's all held together by God. And what did Jesus do? He said, I'm holding it together. And then he said, I purged, cleanse, you know, purging, right? Fire, purging, the blood, cleansing, purging us of our sins with his own blood. Uh, by the way, blood does clean. If you, get your, you cut your arm and you get an infection, and you have your blood goes, the white blood cells, you got the red blood cells, you got lymphocytes and many different words for the chemistry of the blood. The blood heals, the blood cleanses, the blood makes it clean. And Jesus, God is saying, in your physical body you know that, but I want you to know that in your soul and spirit, you are born again by believing in Christ. God's given us this great gift.
Christ in us. So what, what happened here? It says, what did I count? One, one, two, three, four, purged our sins, sat down, five. Five things in verse three that he did in his doing. Who is this person? Who is this person that has done this for us? What has he done for us? Who is this person? Verse 4. He is better than the angels. He's by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He has a name above every name. Angels don't have. Angels have a status, but not as high as the Son of God. For the Son of God has inherited all things, not the angels. The angels have, probably the angels have some planets. The angels are singing in the universe. They are bringing praise to God. By the way, the astronauts that have gone out to the moon, they talk about the incredible presence of God outside of this atmosphere. How many have read about that or know about that? Okay, many of you do. Okay, go now to verse for under which of the angels, he's making his argument now, did he ever say to any of the angels, you are my son, this day have I begotten thee? Did he ever say to him, to them, I will be, I am your father, and you are my son? Did he ever say it to the angels? No. And on it goes through the rest of the chapter. He's arguing that that this is, this is not about the angels. This is about, about us. Because in chapter 2, it says, verse 16, He took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Go to chapter 2. We're almost done with this part. Chapter 2 and verse 6. No, 5. For unto the angels... Hath he not put in subjection the world to come? What? The world to come. Look at it. There is a world coming. Okay. What's that world like? Where can we read about it? At the beginning of my message, I said the pagans didn't have it. They staggered, stumbled, trying to figure it out. It didn't work. They didn't have a message. They could invent stories or say something, but there wasn't anything really believable. But when the Christian faith, these scriptures, came to the intellectuals, the thinkers of the time, they grabbed a hold of it. It, it flashed on their minds. They go, yes, yes, I believe that. I believe man wasn't made to die. I believe that man is made something higher Yes, I believe that, that, yes, I believe that. Is it true that there was Christ in Jerusalem and that he was nailed to a cross and that he overcame? Yes, was he, was he uh, a, a humble, 
Was he broken? Was he weak? Tell me, was he weak? And you would say to these pagan people, yes, he was weak. And they would say, well, that's not good. In our, with our gods, they are strong. And we're to be strong, powerful. But how could he be weak? And we would, the Christian would say, yes, he was crucified in weakness. Guys, he's a humble God. He was obedient to his Father. And he took our sins in our place that we would become righteous. Yes. And in his humility, he is actually exalted. He is exalted, lifted high. He is the Lamb of God. Even in the Bible, it says in heaven, he is the Lamb that sits on the throne. What a lamb on the throne, not big mighty Thor with his hammer and smashing. And yeah, yes, no, he, this is different. This isn't from people and the fallen nature of man. This is the Christ. There's a world coming where there will be peace and righteousness and truth and humility and love. There's a kingdom coming and man is, is at the center of it. We're actually, God did not make, on his throne is not angels. On his throne is his son. And who is with the son but us, people. Isn't it incredible that God would take people out of the dust of the earth? And God, the psalmist said, what is man that you would be even be thinking about him or you would visit him? But we can add, what is man that you would put him upon the throne? What is man that he would be next to God in God? What is man made in the image of God that we'd be in the family of God? What is man that we could call upon the Father and he would answer us? What is man that we're buried in the ground to deteriorate? Worms eat our body. But I know that my Redeemer liveth and I shall stand in my flesh in the latter day and I will see my Redeemer. Remember Job 19. Yes, this is reality. This is our message. This is an amazing message. Let's go to the last part here. It's uh, this one. Um, God made the world, and where is it going? Well, I recommend you could read Revelations chapter 20 to 22, you know, quite often. Read it quite often and learn about it little by little and think about it. It's a real place. Our sisters and brothers are there. But can they talk? Are they watching us? What is happening? I love to think about it, and so I just want to say a couple things to you tonight. Uh, if you, you know the chapters, probably Revelation 20, and look at one, one text there in verse 5, chapter 21, in verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Really? No, I don't believe it. Really? 
Yes. Why, why do I believe? Because in the, in the past, the things of the Bible that, that have happened, the many things and in our spirit and in our fellowship and the history of the prophets and the things and the plan, it, it, it just is intriguing. It takes some imagination. That's a good line for somebody who's an atheist. They say, you know, I'm an atheist, and that's very cool to say that. And then you can counter without offending them and being too sarcastic a little bit. But, but you know, like, you don't have much imagination. I am an atheist. It's like, whoa, wow. What happened to your imagination? You should think about that more. Get some imagination. And think about it, is life more than this planet and this physical universe? Why was it made? What is it saying to us? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist said. And he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. You study the human body. It is so wonderful. I have a book called um, What Darwin Did Not Know, written by a doctor, and it just Amazing, the human body. Where's your imagination? Was man made to die or made to live? And where will we live? And what will it be like? And what, will, what is going on in heaven right now? We have a little bit of a window to see it. We'll, we'll look at it in a second. Look at chapter 21, verse 5. He sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I'm telling you, that little sentence speaks to me. Write it down. I'm not joking. These things are true and faithful. It's going to be like I said. There'll be a new, there'll be the heaven and the earth. Now, I, my personal belief is that this is like a template for the future this is a phase, like this world that we live in is speaking to us. And it's a, it's a picture of God's wisdom. It has to be something going on, and we're going somewhere. There's so, development isn't maybe the best word, but it's like, it's like when we see it, we have to believe that there's something behind it that is happening that ultimately it goes in a better direction. But it's not by evolution. It's by God and his word and his plan unfolding. And his son who came and showed us and said, I go to the Father. And if it wasn't so, I would tell you. But these things are true and faithful. Now let's go to the last part, and it's Revelation chapter 6. Do people talk in heaven? Do they have bodies in heaven? Are they passionate? Are they emotional? Uh, what kind of, do they see what's going on here now? I heard one preacher say, very, very uh, commendable pastor preacher, but he said something strange to me. He said, the people in heaven have nothing to do with the earth. The people that go to heaven, they have nothing to do with the earth right now. They don't have it. They're not involved. They don't care at all about it and so on. And now I go, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? 
What do you believe about that? Go ahead, turn to your neighbor and ask him. Are you one of those? Okay. So, in Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 11 is a list of people who live by faith in the Old Testament. And then chapter 12 says that we run the race and they are, they are a cloud of witnesses. They are watching what's going on on the earth. Now, here comes the big question. Wouldn't the people that have been here who have gone to heaven, aren't they interested in what? What would they be interested in regarding this planet? What would they be interested in? I'll tell you one thing. When is Jesus coming back? Also, when are we going with Jesus to the earth? When are we going back? The invasion happened. The invasion happened through Christ and before. But when Jesus came into this world, it was an invasion from heaven. And we were born from God and part of his group. We are part of Jesus' group, and we are here. And they were here. They've gone before us. And are they interested in what's happening here on the earth? Yeah, well, don't be too human about it. Like, be spiritually minded about it. Like, are they interested in some minutia about our history or something, you know, something like weird? I'm talking big picture. That Jesus, it says in Hebrews 10, he's anticipating when his what? He's anticipating when what? All right, this is good. He's anticipating when his enemies will be under his feet. That's Hebrews 10. He is, I think verse 14, he is anticipating it. Well, why wouldn't he? He overcame it. He overcame evil. And he's, the father knows the, uh, the big picture and is going to send him and he's going to come and his enemies are, well, what do you mean enemies? All the lies, all the abuse, all the corruption, all the arrogance, all the demons, everything wrong, everything wrong is put under his feet. What's it mean under his feet? It means He's over it, and it's dealt with like a baseball bat in a china shop. He's going to go into the china shop with a baseball bat, and there'll be a lot of shattered china on the floor. That's the dynamic. That's called an iron rod, right? Dash in pieces. The governments and uh, the operations of the human race that happens every day without God. 
every day without God. And there's such arrogance in it. Read the book of Obadiah uh, sometime. Obadiah, you are in your high place, but I, God says, I will bring you down. You are in your mountain in your arrogance, in your arrogance, and I will bring you down. Be sure I will bring you down. Right? That's like the spirit of it. Okay, point. Heaven isn't far from here, in a way. This is heaven's eye is on this. Jesus died for this. Jesus, can't, Jesus died to deal with evil. Jesus died to save our souls. When one sinner is converted, there's a party in heaven. Tell me that heaven's not involved on the earth, involved with what's happening in the unfolding plan. Come on. The angels visit, 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12. When there's an anointing in the church, you take a man of God somewhere, New York City, man of God somewhere, Chicago, anywhere, man of God in a village in India, man of God that's anointed, the angels visit. They, they want to hear it. They are part of it. There's God on the earth through the anointing of the Spirit. Now, where is this going? There's many things there, but go to Revelation 6, and I want to finish this up here. <clears throat> We're here all night. Oh, yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. I, I said that in Hungary one time. I said, no, my message only be two hours long. A man in the back stood up and he waved goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. You know, thank you very much. I said, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no. Don't joke about that. I'm out of here. Wasn't it Billy Graham who told a joke? Some, what was it? There was a long-winded preacher. Yeah, here it goes. There was a long-winded preacher, and he just wouldn't stop. He just kept preaching and just kept preaching. And the guy in the podium uh, was, was just getting upset about it, wanted him to stop and everything. So he took um, a pitcher of some vessel, of some kind, and threw it at him, and it missed him, and it hit a woman in the front row, and hit her in the head. And, um, and then they said, are you okay? And she said, hit me again, I can still hear him. <laughs> oh, that's Bill, okay. Should I finish this up on Sunday or no? Are you, yeah, this, right now, okay, ready? Here, here, I want you to look at this. What's it like in heaven? Chapter 6, verse 9. When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. These are the people that are in heaven who are martyred for their faith and for the testimony which they held. In verse 10, they cried with a loud voice. Number, number one, they had a voice in heaven, and it was loud, and they cried. That means, in, you know, emotion, passion. I think they've they got an issue. 
They have an issue in heaven. They do. Do they have peace? Absolutely. Is this out of frustration? No. It's out of holiness. They're looking at the earth, and they're crying out, and they're saying here, verse uh, 10, how long, O Lord? How long? Okay, let's number two. How long? What's that mean? Time. There's an issue of time. They're saying, are they conscious of events? Are they conscious of, of what's, what's going on? How long, O Lord? But you say, right, when you go to heaven, you're not in time, you're eternity. Now, you have, we have the wrong idea about eternity. Eternity is not the absence of time. It's the presence of God. That's what it is. Like there are events in heaven. There are sequences. There are things that happen in heaven. So there is time. And the, these saints in heaven are looking on the earth, and they are passionate. And I like that. We are too. Amen? Go ahead. Yell to your neighbor and say, we are passionate. Yeah, when we cry out, we mean it. Yeah, we got an issue. Yeah, we got something going on in our hearts. Okay, verse um, 10. Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? This is, they see something is wrong, and it bothers them. There's something wrong on the earth. We were murdered, and it's never been dealt with. We were murdered, and they got away with murder. And in heaven, nobody gets away with murder. With God, God is true and faithful and wise, and that's in our new nature. And in heaven, we are, we were, we are wanting salvations, and then we are ask, asking for justice. We're looking for things to be right. I want it to be right on the earth, because when you taste heaven, you understand what sin is. When you taste when it's true and holy and right, it's your nature. And then when you look at something wrong, it, you know, you realize. And so in heaven, they were given a white robe and told to have patience. They were given a white robe and they were given, they were told, just be patient. Others are coming. Others are coming. They were not done yet. The Father's not done. Others are going to be martyred. And it happens in Revelation 7. They are closed. The martyrs come up, and there are many of them. And because John says, who are these? They seem to be a category. You know, when you go to a grocery store, you, you have categories. You've got the milk row. You've got the potato chips, the coffee row. You've got the fish and the meat. They're like categories in a grocery store. And I kind of think like that in heaven. There's diversity. Maybe the stillborn children, the aborted babies. Maybe, well, who are these? That's what John said. And the angel said, these are those that came up out of great tribulation in chapter 7. And the answer to these people is, uh, hold your horses. We love your passion. By the way, they have an opinion in heaven. I love that. People can talk in heaven. People can say something. They can, they can express themselves. Yeah, of course they can. Of course a tyrant doesn't allow it. 
A arrogant person doesn't allow it. But our God is a, is a humble God who know, made us that we would interact with him. And we would cry out with passion and say, I got it. this thing. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? We've been waiting. When is it going to happen? You, you see it. I love the idea of us being who we are, but like on steroids, you know, uh, who we are, but it is holy. It is righteous. It is accepted. God enjoys it. God is in heaven. We are going to heaven. We might be the quiet. We might be quiet or whatever our personality like it, it is. Don't get it confused with your life on the earth as a, as a certain kind of personality or temperament or something. This is transcending us. But still, it is us. It is us. We are there. Let's close. Finish. It says, white, white robes were given unto every one of them, verse 11. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. So there it is. Um, I hope this is something that you can enjoy and appreciate and praise the Lord for it. Amen. <clears throat> Lord, there are people in heaven. Wow, wow, tonight. Yes. They are active. They are in a community. They are in communion. They are in interaction with each other. They are in your very presence. It's like the best time on the earth with a group of people laughing and talking and being who we are in Christ. It is a small reflection of where we are going. In our beautiful quietness, in a beautiful way, a beautiful reality that we anticipate. And while we are on the earth, we want to share with the pagan world that we are in, which has nowhere, they're going nowhere. They don't have a message. The pagan world that's staggering and stumbling and trying to find, but without you. And may you use us this week in Jesus' name. And then anyone listening to me, please put your trust in Jesus in simple faith, in Jesus' name. Say to him, save me, Jesus. Come into my heart and save me. I repent. I turn from my way. I turn from my way. I want you and to follow you in your name. Amen. <clears throat>